Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. What's good, LifePoint Church? Come on, we just had 16 baptisms. It is Sunday, fun day. Just kidding, but it really is. So good to have you guys here with us today. So if you're new, if you're a guest, for those of you worshiping online, in the lobby, in the Fresca tent, thank you guys for joining us today. We hope that you feel welcomed and right at home. My name is Andrew Garcia, and I'm one of the teaching pastors here at LifePoint. And before we dive off into the message today, LifePoint needs your help. Someone say, my help. When you're seat, you should see a serve day card. I want you to grab that real quick. Go ahead and grab that. It's okay. Maybe you sat on it. You could be sitting on top of it right now. Take a look. On the back side of that serve day card, there is a QR code. If you love Jesus, and I know you love Jesus, I need you to scan that and sign up for some of our projects that are going to be happening in a couple weeks. Every year, we do Serve Day here at LifePoint, where we go out and help support some of our amazing partners all across our city. We got projects happening here at LifePoint, at Urban Faith, at the Strong Foundation, at Carlos Kuhn Elementary. Those are all places that you can sign up, show up, serve up. It's going to be a good time. So can I trust that you're going to do that today because you love Jesus? See how I threw that in there, man. We're going to count on you. I know you guys can make it happen, but we, we want to have about 200 people. We have tacos on Saturday. So if you're a real San Antonian, you'll just show up for the tacos. And then you'll serve afterwards because you're guilty. All right. Thank you guys so much for being here. Now, I want to go ahead and dive right onto the message today. We're in a series called Save the Date, and we are diving into the heart of relationships, dating, and marriage. And I know you know this, but I just want to own this together as a group. We all love love, don't we? Come on, those of you who didn't say it, you must be really wanting some love, but that's okay. (laughs) I remember growing up and being in class in middle school and high school, daydreaming about saving the damsels in distress and rescuing my fair lady and then getting to make out with her as a hero's reward. Come on, any guys in the house know what I'm talking about? I guess it was only like a handful of you. That's okay, dude. I'm just going to be real today, okay? I know that we all did this. Don't lie, because we all know what happens to liars. Now, and, and men, like, let's be real. Like, if you grew up in the age of Power Rangers, the pink Power Ranger, come on, dude. We all wanted the pink Power Ranger to be our girlfriend. And if we were being real, real today, we had a date every Saturday morning on Cartoon Network with Kim Possible. Our childhood innocence right, spurred on fairy tale romances, right? We all believed that we could have our own happily ever after, you know, kind of like the one that we see in Shrek. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, it's like since birth, we've all been conditioned to seek out our own prince or princess charming, right? Our one and only soulmate, And of all the things that we learn to grow out of as we transition from childhood into adulthood, right, happily ever after seems to be plastered all over our heart, minds, and souls. But there is a massive problem with this hope. 
Because the thing about enchanting stories is that they paint a picture of love that is too good to be true. Uncomplicated, perpetually blissful, whispering sweet promises to us that once we find the one, life is going to work out, things are going to go well, everything's going to fall into place, we can waltz into a lifetime of happiness. And then our first heartbreak comes. Oh, the pain, the chunky monkey, the dark chocolate glaze that we put on top because sugar solves everything, and how we thought we would never find love again. You know what I'm talking about. Crying yourself to sleep, turning on Kelly Clarkson, listening to Since You've Been Gone at the top of your lungs. Our eyes open to the reality of relationships because love doesn't follow the script, the neatly scripted lines of fairy tales, does it? Love isn't actually filled with rainbows and butterflies. Love isn't always filled with tonsil hockey and fireworks. It's going to slowly, you guys are going to catch on to that one. Love. Real love is a blend of sunny days and stormy nights. Moments of joys and challenges to overcome. And if you watch any kind of romantic reality TV show, especially on Netflix, producers be getting real creative about the journey of love lately. Right from love is blind to the ultimatum, the bachelor, the eyebrow raising sexy beasts, which is a show that I stumbled upon recently because I caught our students watching it with their eyes wide open and their jaws dropped. It's just a dating show, don't freak out. But the truth is, it begs the question, what on earth is happening with dating in our world right now? Because while all of these shows are incredibly entertaining because they remind us that love is unpredictable, quirky, and honestly downright bizarre, you would think that we would learn how to do relationships well or right after all this time. And as we tune into these shows, as we swipe through dating apps, it seems that despite our fascination with love, we keep finding ourselves stumbling, making mistakes, and crossing lines in love. For all the ways that we watch love, find love, fall into love, time and time again, people seem to be failing at love. We love love and yet we keep losing at love. We love love and yet all the stats and studies remind us we are really bad at it. 61% of users in an app found that the modern dating process was overwhelming. And yet roughly 80% of Americans will still get married by the age of 40. But according to the American Psychological Association, approximately 40 to 50% of first marriages end in divorce. And the divorce rate for second marriages is even higher, between 60 and 67%. We have a clear issue starting, seeking, and sustaining relationships. And so for everyone that has high hopes to one day have their very own bay, if you find yourself single or dating, it's time for us to go back to the basics. There was supposed to be a little thing I was going to come on here. It was going to make it so much better. <laughs> such is life. And for all of my married couples in the house, I know that today might be tempting to just tune this out, but here's the truth. A lot of marriages missed the mark by not starting right. And there are some things that we need to go back and evaluate and figure out how do I make sure that I can implement this in my life, in my marriage, so it can withstand the test of time.
because there's some work that you should have done that you didn't do. And it's time for us to take stock of and get to work. And part of the reason why so many of us didn't start right is we don't know how to date right. And when you turn to God's word, funny enough, the word dating doesn't show up anywhere (laughs) because dating wasn't around when it was written. But the good news is that the Bible does have a lot to say about decision-making, marriage, and the types of qualities you should be looking for within your spouse. And so for all of us that are in the room today that have a situationship, that are hoping to one day find the one, or who need a refresher on how to date, we want to help you out. You see, love, love isn't a game, and yet so many of us keep leveraging it like one. And to that end, I want us to look at God's word, starting with the words of Paul, who's a follower of Jesus. And in Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, he's been talking about love, and I want us to look at how he ends a section on it. Because you'd think after all these thousands of years later, we would kind of get this right. But check this out, 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, an adult, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Now, you know what this tells me? That since the beginning of time, our relational dysfunction comes from growing up physically, but never growing up mentally or emotionally, especially when it comes to love. You see, without a doubt, right, I would argue most of us in this room would say, I have transitioned from childhood into adulthood. My experiences, my responsibilities would vouch for this, right? Whether you've graduated from from high school, you're attending college, moving up the corporate ladder, trying to meticulously plan out your finances because we all know we want to retire one day and do nothing. Individually, right, all of these are signs of growth and maturity. We're not dumb, except for when it comes to love. Because in our relationships, so many of us find ourselves pursuing chemistry over commitment. Beauty over character. We're more interested in receiving love than giving love. We want the perks of marriage without the work of marriage. We want the rights of love, but not the responsibility of love. There's an imbalance, an incongruity that is not only puzzling, but harmful, lending to misunderstandings, unmet expectations, and an erosion of healthy relationships within our culture. You see, when you take something that is for adults and you hand it to children, they will inevitably say, this is complicated, when it's just complex, meaning it's involved and intentional. Instead, in the hands of a child, adulting becomes confusing and chaotic. And think about it. How does a child behave? How how does a child think? Children are selfish. They're selfish. (laughs) They think only about their needs and desires. You are not the priority. Who is? They are. Children are impulsive. They act on their immediate emotions and they will sell it, bro, like a show on Broadway. And then as soon as you give them what they want, everything's fine immediately. Children lack empathy. They can't respond to someone else's needs. They react from their own. Children throw temper tantrums. Children need validation and reassurance. And guess what? 
As much as we love them, children are exhausting work. <laughs> and how unfortunate that this sounds like the majority of relationships, doesn't it? <laughs> is it any wonder why dating is so complicated? You see, I think that relationships are like a box of Legos. If you attempt to put the pieces together based on the picture, it might look right on the outside, but it's going to have so many pieces missing on the inside that the designer intended for it to have. And that's because children skip steps where adults carry out a plan. So what is a mature perspective on love? Let's look how Paul starts. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And then he says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, when I became an adult, I put the ways of childhood behind me. So let's uncomplicate dating today. And today is going to be so practical, it's probably gonna be a little bit painful. But if we don't put what is practical into practice, we will keep experiencing pain-filled relationships. So let's walk through the ask out to the altar and how it should look every step along the way and what it is that we should be looking for because it's time for us to go back to the basics. Relationships need boundaries and I wanna define a few things for us. Number one, dating. Dating is a path that is intended to lead to a destination, marriage. Dating is a path that is intended to lead to a destination, marriage. And so here's the deal. If you're dating and you have no intention or are not ready to get married, and I would argue like within the next 18 months, respectfully, what are you doing? I'm going to step on a couple of toes today. You see, dating is fun, but it's not meant to be for fun. And as followers of Jesus, as Christians, we are supposed to live our lives in a completely different way than the world around us. And let's be honest, you don't have to be a Christian to see how relationships around us are all falling apart. So why is it that we keep taking our cues from culture if culture keeps failing at love? Dating is intended to lead to a destination. Like, think about it. When you buy a car, you don't buy it just to sit in it. We didn't pay a ridiculous amount of money because cars are expensive and interest rates are nuts to sit in and say like, oh my gosh, this is great. We didn't pay 20 grand to sit in a car. No, a car is intended to take us to a destination from here to there. There is a destination in mind. And if you're aimlessly dating because you need to be loved to feel secure, it's time to get yourself together. Stop playing the fool Get yourself off the highway of love and let the love-ready drivers get in the lanes. Love does not dishonor others. And dating without the intention of marrying is dishonoring to others. It's playing with their heart and playing with their emotions. Which brings me to number two. To my men in the house, 
I need you to ask women out on dates. Men, ask women on dates. Now, let me define this because some of you have this down and it's not in a good way because you strut your bad self into the bars and into the clubs and you've been taking women out on dates and yet you keep wondering, why do my relationships keep failing? If you fish in a swamp and you keep keep catching snakes, what did you expect? Come on. Don't just ask any woman on a date. Ask a godly woman on a date. Well, Andrew, Andrew, how do you know they're godly? (laughs) Because you've seen them at church and small groups consistently because guess who has been at church and at small groups consistently? You have. (laughs) You know them just enough to be interested in them. And you're not just asking them out on a date because they're beautiful. Outside beauty does not equate to internal godliness. And I'm not sure about you, but I've seen enough Instagram tutorials to know that what I be seeing is not what you're going to be waking up to. It's a scary world. I'm having fun with this today, man. And when you ask them on a date, I need you, men, I need you to do the, use the words, I would like to take you on a date. But just don't say that. Tell her the time, tell her the place, tell her the plan. She needs to know that you've thought this through. And I'll give you an example. Rebecca, I would like to take you out on a date this Saturday to the Pearl for lunch at Southerly. And afterwards, we can walk around and talk and have some coffee. You're going to show her that you've put thought into this. You've got a plan, and then you're going to give her an out. (laughs) If you're not interested, no worries. It's okay. You see, you're honoring her by giving her clarity and then giving her the space to evaluate and decide if this is what she wants. Because what you've been thinking about for a day, a week, and to be real for months, you've just asked in a moment. Don't expect her to have an answer. Give her some time to process and think. Like, guys, I need, we have got to stop being lazy and texting, hey, what are you doing next weekend? Sliding into your DMs, hey, hey, what's up, girl? Or sending some dumb meme, hoping she's going to reply with an emoji so you can low-key start a conversation. No, bro, man up. <laughs> Ask her, I would like to take you on a date. Here is the plan. Here is the time. Here is the sp- the place, and don't force it. Give her time to think about it. But Andrew, she might reject me. (laughs) Big whoop. (laughs) Grow up. Remember, we're not children anymore. We're men. Children are insecure. Men are bold and courageous. They take the right risks because they're looking to build the right relationship. Risk rejection. Do not risk courageous character. If she says no, it's okay. It is not the end of the world. Now, ladies, ladies, I need you to hear me out. Ladies, I need you to say yes to dates. (laughs) Ladies, I need you to say yes to dates. And let me help you. We're not saying yes to the man with the six-pack sliding up into your DMs. 
to the text message, hey girl, Netflix next Saturday. We're not replying back to the WID messages. We are saying yes to dates. If a guy walks up to you and he's a godly guy, and I get it, he might not be the full package, but I want him to be six foot or taller. <laughs> I didn't want him to have patches in his beard. He needed to have blue eyes. Let's be real, man. If he's a godly guy, say yes to the date. Don't say yes to a boy that does not have clarity about what he's asking you. You are not looking to hang out with a man-child because while that might be fun for a few weeks, after a couple months, bro, that's exhausting. Do not allow yourself to be treated less than what you deserve. Don't let desperation push you into poor relational decision-making. You're not looking for a situationship. You are looking for a godly man. And I know that, that in today's culture, there's this movement of women asking men out on dates and even women getting down on one knee and asking men to marry them. I'm not gonna say that's wrong. I'm not trying to get beef with you. Just hear me out. I would be inclined to say, though, that I do not think that is the best idea. You see, if you have to push a man to chase you, I think that's a sign you're gonna have to push him more than once in life. If a man doesn't have the courage to get rejected, doesn't have the courage to step out against his fears, I don't think he's that much of a man. Just my opinion, take it or leave it, you do you, boo. I'm just putting it out there. Men are meant to be courageous. They're not meant to be passive. And so, if he or she is godly, and you would like to know them more, once you say yes to the date, while on the date, we need to be having conscious conversations. We need to be having conscious conversations. And I promise you, I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. I just want to spell this out for us. Having conscious conversations sets the tone for meaningful connection. It requires us to be present, self-aware, and genuinely interested in what the other person has to say and getting to know them. So it looks like active listening, right? Being fully present and attentive to show your date you are actually genuinely caring and valuing them. It's avoiding interrupting. It's making eye contact. It's not looking all over the place. People can't seem to look each other in the eyes anymore. When your date talks about their recent hiking trip, respond, that sounds like an amazing experience. Why don't you tell me more about the trail that you hiked? You're asking open-ended questions because you want to know, does this person have depth to who they are? You're not looking for a simple yes or no. Share your passions. Right? Be authentic about your interests and your hobbies. Avoid taboo topics, right? Stay clear of overly personal or controversial subjects, especially on the first date. This is the time to have fun, to keep it light, and to get to know somebody. Do not ask them who they voted for in the last election. <laughs> At least not yet. Do discuss your favorite place to travel, your favorite foods to eat, and then learn how to express gratitude, right? Show appreciation for their company, you would be surprised how small compliments can go such a long way in building relationships with someone. Avoid oversharing. 
Don't dominate the conversation with your own stories. Be mindful of body language, right? Pay attention to nonverbal cues, right? To facial expressions, to, to shifting in the conversation. This can reveal to you how the conversation is actually going. And if he or she is uncomfortable, shift the conversation. The goal of conscious conversations on a date is to build genuine connection based on an understanding, mutual understanding and respect. Be yourself, stay open-minded, and just enjoy the journey of getting to know someone new. And then, at the end of the date, you need to be honest about how it went. If it went well, say it. If it's not a good fit, say it. Clear is kind. Don't get crafty, don't ghost. Just say, man, this went really well, I'd like to do it again, or you know what, I had a really good time, but I don't see this going any further than friendship. Don't add to it, don't give hope to the other person unless you mean it. Say what you mean and mean what you say because you guys, we know hope is resilient. Do not plant a seed if you do not plan on watering it. It's so simple, it's so simple and yet how many of us know somebody or have been guilty of hurting or harming others in fear of hurting their feelings? If you aren't sure, and here's the thing, maybe you're just not sure yet. I give you permission to say, I'm not sure, can I think about it? That's okay. Ask for some time. Just don't lie about it. Lying isn't honoring. Lying isn't loving. Liars go to a not-so-fun place that isn't heaven. <laughs> Be kind. Speak the truth. And if you decide to go on date two or three, then it's time for you to inspect what you expect. Now it's time to inspect what it is that I expect. You see, you should have a written down list of qualities that you want your future spouse to check off. It should be written down. And if you aren't sure what it is that you're looking for, the good news is that God has given us some pointers and they're the same qualities for both godly men and godly women. You want a spouse who has strong faith and who has centered their life on Jesus. You want someone who lives with moral integrity, who has leadership and humility, kindness, compassion, a servant's heart, somebody who is prayerful, who carries themselves with strong character like honesty, loyalty, patience, forgiveness. You want someone who is committed to both personal and spiritual growth who is encouraging and supportive verbally. They verbally communicate that. You wanna make sure that you have some compatibility. And for my ladies, I wanna give you something a little extra because a telltale sign for a man is how he interacts with his family. Like he might be able to fake it till he makes it with you, but his mouth with his mama is gonna sell him out. <laughs> Watch how he walks with his grandma. You'll see who he is in those moments. And please, ladies, this is so important. Do not make allowances. Do not say he, he's gonna grow out of it one day. He's grown, he ain't out of it. <laughs> You're not looking to be his mama. You are looking for a godly man in your life. And only if they meet that list, then we take another step forward. This is when 
We define the relationship. If you've been on a few dates, let's say four to five dates, you've gotten to know each other a little, then this is the time that you make the move. Men, ladies, you need to drive clarity into the relationship. You don't want to leave the other person wandering or clueless. Like, guys, if you want her and you to be exclusive, you need to ask her to be your girlfriend. And I know that's stupid because this isn't the 1800s and you do not own her and I know titles are dumb. That is not the point. Clear is kind. By asking her to be your girlfriend, you're giving her clarity by saying, you have the characteristics and qualities of what I believe I want my future spouse to have. I can see this becoming something wonderful. It clarifies things. That you're willing to be committed to build on this foundation and see where it leads. And again, if after a few dates, if after you've defined it, you can't see it, you don't feel it, you need to say it. Because clear is kind and we want to honor them. But if after four or five dates, you've got the clarity you need, it's time for you to continue to move on. It's time for you to focus on the relationship. And I know things are exciting. Everything you say to each other is funny. He can do no wrong. She's the apple to your pie. I get it. Things are going well. But this is where it starts to get tricky. Because being in a relationship does not mean that you are in a marriage. Being in a relationship does not mean that you have entered into a marriage. You're still in interrogation mode. You still need to know and understand this person because you can see them being your forever partner. What are their quirks? What makes them angry? Dude, what is their credit score? <laughs> How were they raised? Like this is a good time to start making sure that you're involving the people that you trust most in your life, godly people in your life to give you insight. How do we interact with each other? What do you think about him? Do you feel like we're a good fit? Get godly perspective and, and, and insight. You want advice from people who are moving in the same direction as you or who know you well. And we do this because each and every one of us have a beating heart. And guess what? That heart, will deceive you into thinking everything is good because when you're drunk in love, everything's a 10. <laughs> Dating is not the place to be drunk. Proverbs 15, 22, plans fail for a lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Relationships fail for a lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. So if you're interrogating and you're getting wise counsel, you need to make sure that you're pursuing purity. I know. But Hebrews chapter 13, 4. Hebrews 13, 4 says, Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. You see, Pastor Jenny walked us through this last week. Relationships are not the place to see how close you can get to the line without crossing the line. And the more that you snuggle, the more that you smell that sweet, sweet perfume or that cologne that you're like, oh my gosh, it makes me melt. The less that commitment, the less commitment you have and the more chemistry you're brewing. And let me tell you what I learned about school in chemistry class. You mix the wrong chemicals together and guess what happens? A big bang. And it's fun to watch, but it ain't fun to experience. And I know it seems antiquated, 
Andrew, this is the time to try it before I buy it. He, she is not a car. The average person owns eight cars over their lifetime. Relationships are not dealerships. Love isn't a feeling. It is a choice and marriage is a commitment. And since when, can we be real? Since when did sex solve any problems? Come on. Remember, we aren't children. We're not children. So we're not gonna act or behave as such. And, and here's, here's the crazy thing. The Bible doesn't recognize boyfriend or girlfriend. Like, go and read the Bible. You're going to find father and mother, brother, sister, wife, husband, and then prostitute. It's the Bible. It wasn't me. How do you want to be treated? How should you be treating him or her? And, and let's just say that after some time you realize, dude, this chick don't floss. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if his career path is going to build and lead toward the life that we want, that I want. I don't know if I can handle that kind of trauma that they've endured. It's okay because you haven't mixed the lines. You can come back to clear and honoring communication. I've really enjoyed our time together, but I don't see this relationship moving forwards. Be honoring, be gentle, be kind, be respectful. Philippians 2 verse 3. Do nothing, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourself. You see, this, this isn't about making sure that you do things the way you want. This is making sure that when in a breakup you approach somebody as they need to be approached because you're not looking to crush him or her. You're looking to honor them and take care of them by being honest with them. Break up in honor. Do it in person. This is not the time to text or send an audio message or give a Snapchat. And, and I can tell you that there are probably some of you in this room right now that you're in a relationship and you actually need to break up. You know it's wrong. It's not leading anywhere. You're sleeping together. Moving in together won't solve your problems. Since when did that solve any problems? It only complicates them. They aren't the right one. And if they need a little more of Jesus, guess what the problem is? You ain't Jesus. You're not supposed to save them. Don't date Mr. Wrong while you're waiting for Mr. Right. Just do what's right. And if you break up, do what's wise. Take time to heal. Don't just jump back into the game. That isn't wise. And if all of these have gone well, then it's time for you to make the decision. You see, this is where everything has been leading to. If you've had good dates, if you've had real conversations, if you've investigated and invited people into your life to speak into it, who you've trusted, and they've given their sign of approval. If you've had deep conversations and you know their trauma, you've walked through it with them, their hurts, their habits, their hangups. If they check off all the boxes that you see in a future spouse, then you know Choose them to be your one. This is how you save the date. And I know some of us have this question, but I'm waiting for the one, for my soulmate. There's no biblical theology for soulmate. You see, marriage, marriage is meant to be a commitment with Christ at the center. No one is meant to make you whole 
or to complete you. Only Jesus can do that. And marriage is a covenant to pursue God as you pursue each other, which is why you date with a purpose and with a plan. You see, when we read God's word, we find that marriage is at the beginning of the Bible, throughout the Bible, and at the end of the Bible. Why? Because marriage is not about you or me. Look at what Paul says, Ephesians chapter 5, 31 through 32. Ephesians 5, 31 through 32. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. You've all heard that. But then it continues. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Marriage is intended to paint a picture of God and his bride, the church. What you and I are a part of right now, it's explaining to us God's love, his commitment to us, even when we aren't committed to him, that he has been pursuing us even when we didn't deserve to be pursued by him, that God through Jesus is clearly communicating to us how much we matter to him, the lengths to which his love will go for you and for me, the fact that he would lay down his life even when we didn't deserve it to say, you matter to me. As broken as you are, as hurting as you are, I still want to be in relationship with you. And I've put myself on the line to show you that. Would you just be willing to turn to me, to give me a chance in your life to take the lead and to show you a life that's worth living and laying everything down for? Can I pray for us as we close? Heavenly Father, God, you're holy and you're worthy and your presence, God, is here in this place. And I know, God, that all around this room, God, that there are people, Lord, who are trying to figure out relationships. They're single, they're dating. And honestly, it can be so confusing. But God, you, you love us so much, God, that you give us clarity for what it is that we should be looking for. And so, God, I pray that we would become the people that we're looking for, are looking for. I pray, God, that as we walk out into the field of marriage, of dating, God, in hopes for marriage, that we would be doing things the right way because there is a right way. There is a plan and a purpose that you have that is designed to give us clarity, to keep our heart, God, whole and intact and to not have our soul, God, tattered and tied to all of these people, God, who we hurt and who hurt us because we don't date right and love them well as you've asked us to. And so God, I just pray that you would help God, your word to sink deep into our heart, mind, and soul today. That you would help us, God, to be God-honoring, God-fearing in our relationships and how we carry them out. And I know God, that there's probably some people, God, in this space today, Lord, who are just investigating faith still. They're not sure about everything. And if we were honest, we've, we've probably come here today because we're at the end of our line. We don't know what else to do. We've turned every other way and nothing is working out. If today you would give Jesus a chance, if you would just step on in faith and say, Jesus, I'm not exactly sure about everything, but I'm willing to take a step of faith to believe in you and what you've done and who you are and follow you. Right now in this moment, you can do that. Just say those words. 
and see how Jesus can begin to change your life from the inside out. God, thank you for this family of faith. Thank you, God, for a word, Lord, that was so practical, it was painful. And God, I pray that you help us, God, to take right steps today as we move forward to the future you have for us. In your name we pray, amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.